Welcome to Grace Point Church Podcast. We proclaim Christ crucified and uphold him as the only hope for the fallen world. On today's episode, you'll hear from Reverend Harrison Mungai. Reverend Harrison is the lead pastor at Grace Point Church. Good morning and welcome to Christian Living on Fridays. Really great to be with you here once again and to share um, from the scriptures and to attempt some of the big questions that you you might be asking uh, around these areas of theology, culture, and politics, particularly to see how the gospel applies to these very, very important areas of um, our lives. Today, I want us to ask ourselves a question, and it's a very simple question, and yet some might even find it quite, quite a complicated question. The question is, who is God? I wonder whether you've ever asked yourself that question. Now, to some extent, that might be a very um, broad question. Some might feel, oh, is there really a specific answer to that? Is there even an answer, some people might say? For some, God is a given. He's a, you know, he's a reality uh, out there. Um, we perhaps might even take it as a given that actually, yeah, he exists. There is no question about that. Actually, for most of us, you know, who are listening to this um, podcast and who have particularly grown around the continent of Africa, you know, God is a given. You know, the idea of a supreme being is very much ingrained in our cultures. Uh, one scholar observed that there is not a single community of all the more than 800 people groups there are in this continent that does not have the idea of a supreme being. And so it, it's almost a given. But increasingly, I think it's not that obvious. Increasingly, we continue to see uh, others who uh, tend to think, actually, you know, this is perhaps an idea that needs to be investigated uh, a little bit further. Which is why then, um, in this uh, podcast today, I'd like us to to ask ourselves that question. Uh, who is God? And can we know him? Is he, so to, so to speak, knowable? Can we relate with him? Can we really know him? And he, how has he revealed himself to us? Now, um, the best place to go to if we want to know God is in the pages of Scripture. Now, I know um, some might say that, uh, oh, do we really have to go to the Bible? Why don't we, you know, listen to some voice in our head or uh, talk to people or, or see how others have done it or uh, compare different thoughts of different people? But actually, the best place to go to to know God is in his word and the word of god um, is god's revelation of himself so that's how we know him god has revealed himself through his word now please come with me to a very exciting story that we find in the book of acts chapter 17 and we're going to read from verse 16 to pretty much the end of the chapter which is verse 34 in this story, we find Paul in a city called Athens. 
Athens is a city in, um, it's one of those Greek city-states in Europe. And let's read what's going on here. And then we come back to our question, who is God and can we know him? Now, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, What does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, studying in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. As I passed, as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on, on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think of the divine being as like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul, Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed. Among them also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. It's a very interesting story. I'd love for you to go back to it again and to read it. And, and I think it's, a, it's an important story, particularly for our podcast and on the Friday segment, uh, Christian Living on Friday, because there is a way in which actually it speaks very strongly um, to these three areas that we, are, we tend to look at a lot more 
areas of theology, like the question we are dealing with today, questions of culture, as we see Paul moving into a different culture, into the Athenian culture. And there's also some politics around it. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a shifting of, of um, ideas here. And, you know, um, people are interested. Let's, let's hear what this bubbler, you know, is saying. You're putting some foreign ideas into our ears. There is some politics or some political undertones right there as well. But we shall focus our thinking today on the question we're asking. We may come back to this passage over and over again in future um, uh, episodes. And, but the question is, who is God and can we know him? A little bit of uh, background. So Paul um, is waiting for his friends. And you know while uh, he is there, um, he decides to walk around the city. We are told that his spirit is provoked because when he sees or what he sees around the city of Athens, uh, idols, idols everywhere. So he then uh, goes into the synagogue. The synagogue would have been the place where uh, any Jews would have lived in the area gathered on the Sabbath um, to hear teaching from Torah. And it's interesting, wherever Paul went, the, the go-to place was, was the synagogue to find, um, you know, those who might perhaps be seeking God and then he would reason with them. And particularly, we are told here, he was preaching Jesus Christ and the resurrection. So he is reasoning here in the synagogue with the Jews and they are devout persons, people who are committed deeply, perhaps to Judaism. And he's also going into the marketplace every day. Uh, anyone who happened to be there, he would be telling them about Jesus. Uh, and that seems to be uh, to be what uh, was um, common to him. You know, then you, you are introduced in verse 18. There are some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers uh, who are conversed um, with him. Uh, so you get some uh, two schools of thought here. Uh, some people who are, are called, calling themselves Epicurean. Um, uh, you know, philosophers, and you get some stoic philosophers. We won't get into the details of um, uh, of these uh, philosophical schools of thought, stoicism, and um, this Epicureanism. We, we won't get into that today. But yeah, you get people who have big religious questions um, who are coming to him and they are saying, what does this babbler wish to say? It's very, very... Um, I'm looking for a good word here, you know, very demeaning word. You know, what's this babbler saying? And you see, these are philosophers, these are scholars, these are people who have, you know, understood or who have looked at their uh, books quite carefully. And then they have um, a certain way of thinking, these um, Stoics and uh, Epicurean philosophers. Others are saying, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. And that's because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, which is very interesting. You know, and I perhaps should just mention that a little bit, that it is, it is um, you know, he has come to, uh, to Athens, which is in Greek, Greece. And, you know, they're saying, you know, he seems to be a preacher of some foreign divinities, which is in a sense true. Christianity is always foreign to human cultures be they European or American or Chinese or African, 
Christianity is almost always um, foreign. It's almost always different from human cultures. And it is not a European region. It is not an Asian region. It's not a Middle Eastern region. It's always foreign. You know, to the Jews, it was foreign. The very Jews, you know, you know, in whose land Jesus was, you know, walked and he himself was a Jew. But his religion, the religion of Jesus, the following of Jesus, is always foreign to human cultures. So they took him to the Areopagus, um, saying, I mean, we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. We wish uh, to understand this better, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We want to know what these things mean. Then he goes on to give us a description of uh, the kind of uh, lifestyle these Athenians were living. They seem to be people who are hungry for knowledge and, you know, they were they were spending their time, you know, doing nothing really, except hearing uh, and telling of something new. Sounds like, uh, you know, what perhaps the pastime of most men is really just hanging about and wanting to hear what's the latest idea. In Kenya, it would be the, what's the latest political remark that has been made in the rallies? Um, what seems to be the, to be trending? And I guess the Athenians beat us to it with the hashtags. I guess they would have been the first ones to know what's the latest, particularly in, in terms of thinking. Now, Paul then goes on to, um, you know, stand in the midst and, you know, he begins this um, address, you could even call it a sermon, by saying, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, acknowledging that uh, they were religious people. They were people who wanted to know God, you know, you, you could say, or who wanted to access God. They, they were quite religious. And they were devoted spiritually, you could say. For as I, as I passed along, we are told, and observed the objects of your worship, I found even an altar among you written to the unknown God. So he perceives that he's, he's walking about the these are uh, you know many many um, idols, but among them there is one written to the unknown God. As we had been told earlier, the city is full of idols. Um, Greek um, form of worship was to the gods, you know, to the many. Um, it was a what you might call a pantheistic region. And they would have this uh, you know huge array of gods. Some commentators have said that uh, they wanted to make sure that every god who is worshipped or invoked for whatever reason is covered. So there would be a god for this and god for that. But just in case there is one more out there that we do not know, then we're going to put up an altar to the unknown god. Um, um, it, it looks like they were quite religious. They really wanted to have all the areas covered. But Paul uses that, that notion of the unknown God. He just uses that idea as a point to begin to show them and to teach them who truly God is. And he's going to make some important statements here that I would love for you to pay attention to before we wrap this up. Well, from verse 24, that uh, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And then 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And he continues on and on. An important thing that Paul affirms to these Athenians. One is that God is the creator. Now that's just a notion that we pick, um, maybe from stories that we have had as we were growing up, or ideas that we have gathered uh, in a religious classroom. It is the word of God that tells us that he is a God who made the world and everything in it that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. That tells you that he is the creator and he is the ruler, he is the Lord of all creation. In other words, everything stems from him. He is the ultimate source. He is the creator and the author of everything. And an important truth to behold, that the word of God shows us that God is the creator. And then he tells us that uh, he is our father. That's, that's quite amazing. Now, moving from a creator, which, you know, to some extent you could, you could say might even feel a little bit impersonal. He shows us the idea of God as Father. 26, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So he introduces us created beings as those who are made by God, those who are to seek their way to him. And in fact, he goes on to quote from 28, for in him we, we live and move and have our beings, as even some of your own po poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. And he builds on that from the following verses. In other words, then, he is not just a creator, but he is our father. Now, the word father here is used, and I need to clarify this, not um, in a very specific way, but in a generic way to mean that all, all people, really, in a sense, in the sense in which they would trace their source and their fatherhood from God. Indeed, we are his offspring, which is a, a much more relational term. Now, when people think of God, they think of him in very, you know, uh, abstract terms, creator, out there, far away, removed. But what Paul shows us here is that he is close by like a father. In fact, uh, he says, yet he is not far from each one of you. He is close by. He is a God who is right here with us. He is Emmanuel. The word used uh, to describe him also in scripture is that he is God with us. He is Emmanuel. which then means that we can know him in very relational terms. We can know him 
in, in very in very close in provision in protection he is a loving father which then means that we ought not to think of him you know in like gold or silver or stone or an image that can be formed you know by art and the imagination of man no he is a living god you know in fact the other striking thing that we would learn here about the nature of our god because he's a father with whom we can relate is that he's a speaking god and this is a big difference between the idols that would have been worshipped in Athens and even the idols that are worshipped in our world today because our cities are no different they are also full of idols but these idols do not speak they are mute and they are dumb but our god speaks and has spoken the god of the bible is a speaking god he's a relational god and he has given us speech we can speak to him he has spoken to us in his word he has revealed himself to us in his word and what does he say it well he says come back to me vastati that in the times of ignorance god overlooked he overlooked all the idolatry but now he commands so he speaks and he commands all people everywhere to repent he wants people to relate back to him is a relational god because to repent is to turn back to him is to turn away from sin and to turn back to god he is a relational god he's not an idea you know out there he's not an impersonal being you know who is perhaps just controlling things from a distance disinterestedly no he is close by interacting with us he's given us his word he is close by and in fact he has even given us a warning because he will judge he has appointed a day that he is going to judge you know through uh, the world through the lord jesus christ the man that he has appointed and in fact he has even given assurance that he is the one he has appointed by raising him from the dead that's the kind of god we serve he is close by you know he loves us so much to want to invite us into a relationship with him and he he loves us by giving us a warning if you do not repent judgment comes by so then what might we say or uh, what would we say when we are asked who is god well we can answer confidently that he is a creator he is our creator and not just of us but of everything else that exists in our world not only that we can say he is our father that means we can relate with him we can speak to him he has spoken to us he is not far he is right here with us he is near he has revealed himself in the pages of scripture and what is he saying repent in other words relate with him by turning away from sin and turning to him and in fact he has also spoken a warning to us if you do not repent there is a day appointed 
for judgment. So who is God? He is our creator and he is our father. Now, is there evidence of our creation? Yes, we ourselves are evidence of his creation. So then, is there evidence that he is our father? Yes, scripture reveals to us. He is our father. He is our ultimate source. So should we pay attention to him? Certainly, yes, because if he is our creator, therefore he is our ruler and he is also our father. And so we can heed to his words. May the Lord bless you as you reflect on these, uh, these words. And if you have questions or thoughts, please uh, do uh, post it in whatever platform that you're listening this on. And let's engage this question even more deeply. Have a happy weekend ahead. The Lord be with you and bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Grispoint Church Podcast. For more information and past episodes, visit our website, gracepointchurch.org. Please join us again for a new episode. Goodbye.